0: Dreaming of Sunshine by Silver Queen. Chapter 114 There is no passion so contagious as that of fear. Michel de Montaigne. Time didn't freeze. It only felt like it did. That one horrifying moment stretching out longer and longer, like an infinity caught in a second, like an instant crystallized, sharp and clear and still. Everything felt unreal. Felt like I was watching something happen very, very far away. The pieces of crumbling stone fell slowly towards the sand. I could see each and every one of them, the size and shape of them, like they were interlocking pieces of a puzzle that had unexpectedly come apart. The pieces of. the pieces of Shikamaru's arm fell slowly towards the sand, and I discovered I could move after all. I needed to do something. I needed to do something big, something that would turn the tables, something that would defend us, would get rid of our enemies, and without wild area of effect damage. Something that wouldn't hurt us further. I didn't have many options. Everything snapped back into alignment. My heart was thundering in my ears. My breath rasped. There was stabbing pain in my back. The world was tilting and swimming, my equilibrium upset by the poison. Shit! Shit! I have to do something now! Who could I trust to defend us if I couldn't trust myself? My hands flickered through hand seals. Summoning jutsu! Heijomaru! I screamed, like volume could make up for skill and surety. I forced chakra into the jutsu, trying to frame the situation in my mind, trying to convey what I needed. It wasn't easy. Naruto had always made this part seem easy. Naruto hadn't even made this seem like a step, like it was so simple and obvious that he'd never needed it explained. I still didn't have it down, but Heijomaru always answered first, and I was counting on that. And he did. Heijomaru surged out of the ground beneath my hands, sand spilling off of him like running water. He was armored like the very first time I'd seen him, antlers glinting with metal points, demonic masks down over his face, insides protected with layered plates. I clung to them, fingers going numb, seating myself on his back. A blur of ink raced past us, size ink animals targeting the enemy behind us, the one I hadn't forgotten about but had ignored anyway. She wasn't important right now. There, I gasped, leaning forward, and Heijomaru exploded into action. I felt his muscles bunch the way his hooves dug into the sand, then the translation of potential into action, into motion. Shikamaru's shadow-stitching jutsu, the one holding Kongo aloft into the air, was faltering, the slow decay of a jutsu that no one was maintaining. Heijomaru hit the enemy without slowing, his spiked antlers dipping to pick him out of the air, metal-coated spikes puncturing through the body like sharp knives through so much meat. The muscles of his neck bunched under my hands from the weight of a person, and then he shook side to side, spikes driving in, tearing and then throwing Kongo free blood spattered my face like awful rain two more giant steps carried us over to shikamaru and we slid to a stop four legs bracketing him like a defensive bristling fortress ishidate retreated moving away from my brother out of the path of our charge barely seconds and the tide of the battle had changed twice behind us kiba raised their hand seals inuzuka style kyukigen he spat actually spat. A dozen small hairball-like things flicked through the air, hitting the sand and growing to the size of a soccer ball. They scuttled forward, a barrier between us and the two remaining enemies. And to the side, the two ink clones of Michiru and Hikaru that Sai had so carefully been keeping out of the battle, the decoys of the people we were supposed to be protecting, turned tail and fled into the forest. Ishidate and Karanbana took the bait, They blurred after them, leaving us wounded and damaged on the beach, abandoning the fight for what seemed to be their real objective. Sai's remaining ink animals streamed after them, a long white and black line of pursuit. I slid sideways off of my summons. My legs buckled when they hit the ground and dropped me onto the sand, but I didn't need to stand. Ishika! He was clammy, pale, eyes wide in shock and shaking almost violently his right hand clamped over the stump of his left, fragments of stone peeking out from between his fingers. It's real. I swallowed, then scrambled, frantically and uncoordinated, at the neck of clothes, pulling down the zip on my vest and shirt to free the necklace I had worn beneath. I yanked it loose, snapping the cord. Please, please, please! Galel had healed me. It had healed Fugai when we had fought her. Surely, surely it could heal Shikamaru. I pressed the stone against him, but it wouldn't go. Not like the easy way it sank into my flesh, like it wanted to be there. I tried channeling chakra to it, but it still wouldn't. It wanted to be me. No, no, come on, please! Sheikah, my voice cracked, channel some chakra into the stone. Try, try to use it. His eyes darted to me, hazy, like he wasn't quite processing right. What, what is that? Just try! I snapped, voice tight with fear and panic. It wasn't working. Why? Why was it not working? Shikamaru tried. His hand, his only hand, clasped around mine, chakra flaring and sliding through. And it did nothing. Nothing. It passed through the stone like it was nothing but cold rock, nothing but a lifeless hunk of crystal. Like it was on a different frequency altogether. Inert, Tsunade had called it. They'd run all kinds of tests on it, before it had ever given given back to me. They found nothing worth mentioning. I'd never heard it sing, not like I had with the Galel stones. And the Galel was gone now, dispersed into the air and the ground and the world again, just a part of everything. This stone had been pulled out of my eighth gate, out of my heart, formed when the spirit of a god passed through me at the point of my death. It wasn't made of Galel. It was Me but it should still be able to heal Shikamaru, I thought wildly. I wanted to. I pressed it forward again and again, trying and trying to sink it into him, the way the book had described. We're twins. We're the same. It should. I was panting, breath coming in short, terrified gasps. It's not... it's not working, I stammered. I couldn't fix it. My stone could fix it. We have to go! Kiwa barked, interrupting me. He had scooped Akamaru's small still form up and into his jacket. We have to get out of the poison. Now! I jerked up, thoughts scattering. He was right. He was right. My stone wasn't working. What fucking good are you? I thought at it, viciously hurling it away. It bounced on the sad, forlorn. Useless! Hidumaru, can you. can you. I couldn't get the words out, formulate what I wanted to ask properly, but he understood, or knew, or could guess Under anyway. He moved to the side and knelt down, bringing himself low so I could sling Shikamado onto his back. I turned back, one last minute desperate idea making me draw a scroll and scribble a sloppy storage seal onto it, sealing a square chunk of beach and stone into it, hopefully collecting all the lost pieces of... of arm... If I could find some way to undo the transformation... Shikako! Kiba snapped again, leaning over my deer and pulling me onto it. My muscles were all jelly. I couldn't tell if it was from the poison or adrenaline. The three of us clung to each other, trying to keep steady and balanced. Sai was still in the air above us, keeping watch, staying out of the reach of the poison. Heijomaru stood and moved long, loping strides, eating up the open shoreline. He carried us away from the battleground, away from the lingering poison and danger... Sai swooped ahead, leading us back towards where we'd left the real prince, safely out of the fight. Is… is Akamaru? I asked falteringly. Dunno, Kiba said tersely. Fuck. Everything had gone wrong. Sai swooped down, dismissed his inkbird, and landed neatly on the ground. Ahead of us, Korega's guards were only just starting to load the prince onto a small rowboat to transport them out to the ship they had waiting at at sea. Our fight had been so fast. We'd been trying to stall them to buy time, but it had been so fast. What is it? Korega asked, hand on his sword and eyes scanning the beach behind us. Are they coming? They are chasing the decoys, Sai said bluntly. We should move quickly. I slid awkwardly off of Heijomaru and helped Shikamaru down. My legs held this time. The poison faded quickly, maybe? Or had it just been shock and horror? Heijomaru bowed his head, and I managed a stilted thanks and dismissal, allowing him to vanish into chakra smoke and return to the summon realm. I helped Shikamaru into the boat. He didn't look improved. He looked worse, really. There was a gray pallor to his skin. I didn't know what to do. Michiru gasped. Your arm, he said, alarmed. He stood suddenly, and the boat tipped and rocked and settled until he sat again. Same as the king, Koreda said grimly. That stone. I nodded. The king had... Fuck! The king had died because of this. I fumbled with my med kit, nearly spilling everything into the boat. Painkillers, I said. It had to hurt. Painkillers were for help. I was so out of my depth. I didn't even have any fucking medical training. My breathing was coming too fast. Too fast. I tried to choke it down to something that was hy- that wasn't hyperventilation. Wasn't panic. I needed to do something to fix this. To make it okay. Kiba climbed into the boat, unzipping his coat to free Akamaru. The puppy whined and twitched. Something in his face relaxed at the obvious signs of life. The glove, I said. My thoughts were too scrambled. I needed to think. I pressed my fingers over my eyes like the pressure would help. The glove that Ishidate had that's what caused it. If we had that, we might we might be able to reverse it. It's a technique. There should be there should be a way to ''Are you crazy?'' Kiba asked in disbelief. ''We can't go after them. We need to get away. That was the whole plan. We create a distraction, then we run. We barely manage that. You think we can handle a second round? Akamaru's down. Shikamaru's down. You're injured. Me and Sai are exhausted. We need to go.'' ''You're injured?'' Shikamaru croaked, looking up. The painkillers had returned a certain amount of color to his face, but his eyes were glassy. Kiba was right. Shikamaru wasn't going to be fighting anymore. I'm fine, I said dismissively. You have a kunai in your back, B- Kiba barked. Our mission is to get the prince to safety, not to fight those assholes. We're wasting time. Get in the boat. I grit my teeth. He was right. It burned. Sai was staring back down the beach. An ink mouse was skittering over the sand, moving swiftly and surely. He ducked down to retrieve something from it. "'What was this?' he asked, holding up my necklace. "'You tried to use this before to heal him. "'What does it do?' "'Apparently nothing,' I said bitterly. "'It had done fuck all to heal Shikamaru. "'It was useless.' "'Or...' "'My hand gently closed around it. "'It felt like an idea, like committing to a plan. "'I'm going after Ishidate,' I said. "'The fuck?' Kiba said disbelievingly. "'Are you even listening?' "'We can't fight anymore!' "'Are you questioning the orders of your team leader?' Sai asked with a frown. He looked tense and unhappy. "'You should trust your commanding officer.' "'Don't fucking start,' Kiba said darkly. "'This is not about trust. "'If it were about trust, I would have said no "'when she told me to take my Genin team up against a Jinchuriki. "'I didn't. "'This is about her being wrong. "'Team leader or not, she's wrong.' I don't care, I snapped. Go! Get out of here! I turned away. Shikako, Shikamaru called desperately. He lurched for me, rising out of his seat, fingers clawing through the air. He stumbled and my insides twisted, wanting to catch him. Sai hesitated, then moved after me. But Kiba had been right about this too, hadn't he? Sai was exhausted. He'd been throwing out ink creation after creation, and I'd never thought to question how much energy each one took. Even if he was better off than the others, they would need him if things went wrong. Stay with the boat, I snapped at him. That's an order. His eyes widened in surprise, but he dropped back. I vanished into the forest and headed for the castle. The castle walls were crawling with guards. I breathed quietly, steadily, and made myself focus on the task at hand. I needed to get in there. I needed to get the gauntlet. I needed to find out if there was a way to reverse the transformation. In and out. In and out. Distractions melted away. My worries were put aside, at least for now. Out of sight, out of mind. All that mattered was the fight ahead. I was injured. I was alone and outnumbered. They were stronger than me, faster than me. They'd already kicked our asses twice. They are in so much trouble. The corner of my mouth lifted into a small smirk. Too flippant to be completely true, of course, but it was nice to think so. It helped. It'd taken a moment on the trip here to pull the knife from my back and patch it as best as I could for a spot I couldn't reach, and to retie the necklace around my neck. I was as prepared as I was going to get. Stealth or not stealth, I murmured to myself considering the wall and the people I could sense beyond it. The guards weren't ninja, and I knew exactly where the two shinobi I wanted were. I could get past everyone else if I tried hard enough, probably, but it would be difficult. I'd risk a lot if I was seen, and it would take time and energy. I nodded. Both. Both is good. I pulled my chakra in tight and invisible, and used all the tricks Kakashi-sensei had taught me to ghost up to the exterior wall. I traveled a stretch of it, one hand outstretched, to brush against it and leave ink marks behind as I moved. I circled around, found a perch in the trees with a good view over the wall, and pulled out a stack of flashbangs. I linked them together with a cascade seal and a stretch of ninja wire, and bundled the whole thing into a ball. Down below, the scene was peaceful. The guards were alert and prepared, but not prepared enough. I drew a line of shadow sight across my eyes, used chakra to muffle my hearing, and set off my touch blasts. The outer wall exploded into shrapnel, the guards sending up an alarm and spilling out into the night air in preparation for an attack. Wait for it. Chakra blazed as one of the ninja dropped down from the palace balcony to the ground. It was Bana out for blood. Perfect. I lobbed the ball of tags over the fence towards her and set it off. I couldn't see it from the- behind the safety of Shadow Sight, and the blasts were muffled thrums of more vibration than sound, but I could sure as hell see the way that the guards staggered and stumbled, trying to shield their eyes, dropping weapons, mouths gaping, and screaming. I, feel- I could feel the pulses of the tags going off, one after the other, providing a constant barrage of light and noise. Disco Inferno. Kananbana was on the ground. Flashbangs wouldn't keep a ninja down for long, but this was the opening I needed. I moved away from it, further around the side of the castle where I eased my way over the wall. There were less guards here now. They weren't all gone, of course. That would have been bad management, but less. It was easy enough to spot a clear path and make a run for the castle. A body flicker let me clear the distance in less than a heartbeat, and the hardest part of that was doing the jutsu without the accompanying flare of chakra. I scaled the wall of the palace and shimmied up one of the top windows open to get inside. Piece of cake. I strewed through the halls. I could have created a path, used jutsu to burst my ways through the walls to get where I was going, but the door would work just as well. This gave me time to plant ink as I went, just in case, circling the room where Ishidate was holed up. There were two spots of sized chakra that had to be the ink clones and a handful of civilians. Ha, I thought. They hadn't even realized that the clones were clones yet. I thought that deception would have barely lasted the fight, let alone for hours afterwards. Maybe they just didn't care. There were two guards on the door and I didn't even hesitate, knocking them out and stepping over their unconscious bodies on my way. Then I kicked the door in. It felt really satisfying. Everyone turned to look at me. I walked in, head held high, steps even, until I was right in the middle of the room. The two clones, bundled on the floor. The minister, sitting on an elaborate throne with an assistant behind him. Ishidate, leaning against the far wall, shielded from the flashbangs. No, the flashbangs had run out. They were only flares now, going on outside. You, Ishidate said, with only a fraction of surprise. Really are an idiot, aren't you? I could read his lips, but I loosened the chalk around my ears enough to hear him. Part of this involved talking, and if I was really, really lucky, it would only involve talking. I didn't expect to be that lucky. I wasn't sure I wanted to be. No more than you, I said levelly. You really shouldn't have hurt my brother. He laughed, spreading his hands out. So this is your big plan? Walk straight in here and challenge me to a fight? You couldn't win when there were four of you. Well, I said with a flat smile that had nothing to do with amusement. First, I was going to ask you to reverse the stone transformation. This old thing, Ishidate said, extending one arm and firing up the glove. He admired it. I felt the air shiver, the way it drew in the natural energy around it. The lines on the glove formed something that almost looked like an eye. You know, I don't feel like telling you. Too bad, I said. That would have been the easy way. I crossed my arms. Across the room, Ishidate did the same. I'd had a stupid plan, yes, but not that stupid. My shadow sight kept the flares from hurting me, but that didn't mean they weren't there at all. Strobing bright lights did great things for shadows. I'd primed it full of chakra before I'd stepped into the room, and woven it over the ceiling between the hanging chandeliers unnoticed. Watch what the right hand is doing, not the left. Watch me, standing here, bold and unprepared, not my shadow. I wasn't sure if he'd even known that I used shadow jutsu too. The darkness of the beach hadn't made it a great choice, and the initial confrontation could just as easily have been attributed to Shikamaru. Either way, I didn't care. Ishidate's eyes went wide as his glove pressed against his own arm, the strange cracking noise filling the air as it transformed. And then it reversed, undoing itself and returning to smooth flesh and blood. Ah, I said, lifting my hand before the reversal was complete, leaving his hand made of stone. You can undo it. Then I made a fist and slammed it down, a hammer blow to the back of my other hand. It hurt, but not nearly as much as it hurt him. His hand shattered, just like Shikamatu's. The minister gave a shrill scream. Both of us ignored it. As long as he didn't try and attack, I didn't care what he did. I just did not care. But can you fix it now? I wondered out loud, eyes locked onto my enemy. Because this was the critical part. This was the part that mattered. Could he fix it now? Could I fix? Ishidate's gauntlet hummed with energy. I dropped and rolled to the side. The floor I'd been standing on erupted into a messy pile of spikes, and kept erupting, following me as I moved. Ishidate was moving with me, but it clearly wasn't enough to distract him from causing it. I ran him into a table, into the wall, trying to dodge and dive and take him out at the same time. It didn't work. "'Explode!' I commanded. The wall behind him burst inwards, chunks of stone pelting through the room. Dust hazed the air. The minister in attendance vanished from sight, screaming." But that just gave Ishidate more ammunition, apparently. Those loose rocks moved through the air, unnaturally, flinging themselves at me, targeting me. I let go of the shadow possession and used a replacement jutsu, landing behind him. I lit my lightsaber, raising it for a high swing, my chakra hum, circulating through the gel stone around my neck. He twisted, faster than me, gauntlet ringing with energy, and it passed harmlessly through my chest like grabbing smoke, like grabbing shadow. I pinned him in place and brought down my sword, shearing his arm off at the shoulder. The stink of burning flesh filled the room. Now it's a real lightsaber, I thought, almost mockingly. It's cut off an arm and everything. Ishidate stumbled backwards, collapsing to the ground, face white with horror. The rocks fell to the ground, under control of gravity once more, his control over them completely gone. I pulled the disembodied arm out of my chest, spun it over my hands, and vanished into Hammer Space. A risk if it had seals that would react to being in a storage seal, but better than trying to hang on to it during fighting. Thanks, I said, and this time it was definitely mocking. That'll come in handy. Outside, Kata and Bana seemed to have shaken off the effects of multiple flashbangs to the face, which was a shame, but I'd had more time than expected, given the fight that had happened and the sheer amount of destruction that we'd packed into it. Well, I guess that was the nice thing about working alone. You didn't have to worry about causing friendly fire. I turned slightly towards the balcony so that when Karenbana hurtled up it, I was looking straight at her. She looked awful. Her eyes were squinting and her face was smeared with tears. Her wig had come loose, slightly crooked across her face, but she looked furious. I will kill you, she rasped. You are going to pay for that. I'm sure you said that before, I said, an unpleasant smirk kicking at my mouth. Then I focused my chakra through my galel stone and dissolved, losing human shape totally and becoming part of the shadows on the floor, unnoticeable. It was a strange feeling to be bodiless and formless. Uncomfortable. I could see, but it was limited. Hearing was easier. Karinbana swore. She- she's gone. She said, to the sound echoing to me as the sound reached different shadows at different times, slightly delayed. I- I'm going to- "'To... Ishidate!' I felt the vibrations as she ran towards him, even through the, her, though her footsteps were silent. "'Karen,' Ishidate said, low, voice low and tight with pain. "'You have to leave.' I focused my attention in, trying to stop the annoying echo. I needed to listen to what, what they were saying. This was the important part. This was why I was here. "'She took the gauntlet,' he said. "'But she's gone. This is your chance to run, Karen, before they come back for the prince.' "'She took more than the bloody gauntlet!' Bana snarled. "'I'll go after her. I'll get it back.' "'And then what?' Ishidate snapped back. "'If you haven't noticed, I don't have any hands.' He sounded like he was on the verging on Hysterical. "'What do you think we do then? Kongo's dead. I'm next to useless. You think you can do the work of three of us all alone?' That didn't sound like they knew any way to fix it. Didn't sound like they had a plan.' I didn't have teeth to grind together, but the feeling remained the same. Frustration, irritation, the creeping, dawning horror that this was reality now. There was no way to undo it, no magical fix-it button. I'll get the gauntlet back, Bana insisted. Your arm. There's supposed to be some kind of wandering medical ninja on the mainland. We'll find her, and then, and then... Don't, he said. Don't risk it. If They kill you, too. He cut himself off with a pained gasp. You can still make it out of this. Get off the island. I can hold the royals hostage a bit longer, give you time to escape. You aren't making some kind of bullshit last stand, Kara Bona said furiously. Not here. Not like this. They didn't have a way to fix it. They didn't know how to undo the damage they had done, not even with the gauntlet. They didn't know. Maybe Tsunade, I thought desperately. I have the gauntlet now. It can undo the petrification. Maybe Tsunade could put the pieces back together? Maybe she had some other solution. Something that would make this okay. But I thought about how many pieces there had been, how tiny and crumbled and deep in my heart, and doubted it. Even Tsunade had limits. Footsteps vibrated against the floor, caught in Bana standing and leaving, trying to go after me, which meant she would go after my team. No. I reformed, rose out of shadow behind Ishidate, becoming myself once more. I grabbed his head, one hand on either side, and twisted. The snap should have been louder. It should have echoed. It didn't, but Karenbana still turned around, slowly, like she knew what she was going to see and didn't want to see it. Explode, I commanded, and the corridor detonated around her. I could still sense her chakra. It hadn't killed her. When I moved closer, it was clear that it had been mere thing. She glared at me, the last vestiges of her fighting spirit struggling to stand. Run, I suggested, softly, dangerously. She looked at me, expression a mask of loathing, but there was fear, too. I could kill her, and she knew it. She stumbled backwards, eyes flicking to the body on the floor, then back to me, and ran. My muscles tensed with the instinctive desire to chase, to hunt her down and kill her. Not because I had to or needed to, but because I wanted to. But Kata and wasn't why I was here. She was irrelevant. I had the gauntlet now, had the only information there had been to acquire. The only plan that remained to fix things? Get to Tsunade. Behind me, sounds shifted, and there was a soft whimpering sound. I turned to watch Michidu, Sai's ink clone, drag the minister out of the rubble, alive, if not unharmed. Oh, right. The mission. Well, that took care of that, didn't it? A bird landed on the balcony rail, white and black and made of ink. I gave it a steady look. In another situation, I might have been able to summon amusement at how well Sly had learned to bend orders around. Tell them to come back, I said. We need to go home.